It is She Podcast, the podcast all about women from the women point of view, talking all about podcasting, which that was, yeah. So Jess usually opens the show and I totally suck at it. So, but today, <laughs> minus Jess, my lovely co-host, I have a guest co-host today. The amazing, the amazing Kristen Meinzer is here. Hi. From By the Book and many other things. <laughs> Hi, Elsie. I'm so thrilled to be with you. I know I'm so excited that you are here. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled because I, we don't really do this very often. We don't really have like random people come on the show. <laughs> I'm not random. We're friends. We've been on panels before. No, yeah. I know, but I'm not saying random as in like I don't know you. I'm saying random as in the <laughs> fact that it's a co-hosted show. I mean, think yes, about it. Like yes. with Buy the Book, you wouldn't just all of a sudden have like, hey, there's no Jolenta today. It's so-and-so. That's right? true. That would be very, very weird. Yeah. So that is why I say that, although we don't really have particularly like an interview show. So when we do have people come on, when one of us is not here, it's very lovely. And it's like buddies and friends and people that we know that love uh, podcasting as much as we do. So yay! Yay. So how how was your July 4th? Oh, I was working, 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 doing lots of writing. And I'm also hosting another show right now, too, on top of my two shows that I host. So it's been pretty busy. Holy cats, man. Yes. So you are immersed (laughs) in all the podcasts. Oh, yes. And then um, just putting some finishing touches on some uh, work related to my new book. My book comes out August 6th, as you know. So you want to start a podcast. Oh, my God, which is why I'm so excited you're here. Yay. Yes, I'm so excited. But um, yeah, you know, there's always little bits of logistical work. My PR people at HarperCollins and so on are like, oh, can you fill out this form? Can you talk to this person? Can you do all this stuff? So things around that, which it's always fun, always a good time, because at least it's, you know, related to my little baby, my book. I know. That's like, it's so exciting. I can't wait to chat even more about that stuff because I'm, uh, there's nothing like having amazing information about podcasting out in the space. And particularly, uh, hello, from the women's point of view, which is yes, like to me. Yes, absolutely. It's so needed uh, out there, particularly around this topic. So, but before we kind of get into your book stuff, let's just dive into a few regular old news that I think might inform our conversation later. For the informed podcaster, podcasting news. Don't you love our bumpers? They're like homemade. They're homemade bumpers. I cannot believe that's homemade. (laughs) I can't believe it. I feel like I'm on Mars because it's it's like the future. And Mars is the the future. I know. It's like um, John usually tells us, say this, and then we'll do it. And then he puts (laughs) like music in the background and makes it fancy. (laughs) We're like, oh, my God, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start off with this conversation here that like really struck me because as somebody who is immersed in podcasting, as in like all day, every day with all the things, right? I wasn't quite aware how developed the Netflix podcasting strategy was, number one, Mm. because here's this article that was on The Verge, theverge.com, which they just said that they just released a podcast director's commentary track for Always Be My Maybe. Mm -hmm. The new rom-com with Ali Wong and Randall Park. Yep. Yeah. And so I was like, 
oh my God. So I didn't even know that they even had a show. At first, I thought from the way that they put that out there, I thought that they had created an entire podcast around this commentary, which has historically happened in the past. And I think one of the first podcasts that came out about that was like for Battlestar Galactica way back in the day when that show was airing. I do believe the creator did like, see, I mean, a lot. I remember binge listening to that um, when I got into Battlestar Galactica, which was way after it was no longer cool. And um, <laughs> but I listened to all that stuff. And I was like, Oh, maybe they did that. But alas, it is one show. But have you had an opportunity to in any way kind of look at what Netflix is doing with um, their podcasting stuff? Oh, they have a few different things they're doing. And I think it's interesting to see them kind of dipping their toes in a bunch of different podcasting arenas and different ways of doing it. So with Always Be My Maybe, it is essentially what we used to call on DVDs the director's commentary (laughs) back in the DVD movie days where the podcast for Always Be My Maybe is essentially like, oh, here's the director commentary. You hit play and then you hear the director at the same time like, oh, this is the point where Ali Wong actually legit tripped over that thing. That wasn't even planned. And then the director says something else and you're like, oh, and here's the part where Randall Park, funny backstory here. We told him just to improv and look at these lyrics he came up with. So it's essentially a director's cut for always be my maybe. But then there are a bunch of other kinds of projects that they've been working on as well. I think one of the wonderful things that I like to see Netflix doing here, especially, I guess, in this day and age, is that a lot of people try to, at least this is my perception, a lot of people are trying to create a podcast that in some way sometimes stands alone on its own, like it's its own thing, right? This is my show. Everybody's going to listen to it. And I will become famous because of the show. Right. That's sort of mm-hmm. kind of like cereal. Right. Because it just like took off and it's famous. And then there are your basic B&B companies putting stuff out there that are like a little bit more focused on their businesses. But then what I really liked about what Netflix was doing is that it really right now in all the news and podcasting, everybody is the new Netflix of podcasts. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So these guys really are like the Netflix podcasts. <laughs> because they're Netflix. This is kids of Netflix. And they're not trying to be the Netflix of podcasts. They're just being Netflix. Yes. And to celebrate all the things that Netflix has there. Um, yeah. Celebrate the shows that Netflix has. Celebrate the stars they already have. So that's what a lot of their shows are. Just look at these celebs talking about the projects they're working on or look at these reviews of projects at Netflix, essentially. That's right. So given that, and I've been a fan of TV show podcasts for a long, long time. I'm incredibly obsessed by that, especially if I really dive into a show. I have been known to be completely immersed as I start watching any kind of TV show, whether it's Netflix or regular TV or whatever. I need to know more if I really love it. And then I binge on all podcasts that are about that show. Uh, All the recap shows, all the behind the scenes shows, all of those deep dives. Yeah. Yeah. So I just did that with Game of Thrones last summer because I had never watched Game of Thrones before. Confession, I still have never seen it. (gasps) Really? I know. There's like 12 of us who haven't seen it. 12 of you. Yes. Well, I used to be, it used to be 13, but last last, last summer. (laughs) Last summer, what happened is I started reading the books. And that's what got me. 
I started reading the books and then I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm only going to read the books, the end. But I also started to find podcasts that only reported on the books, commentary only on the books, not the TV show. And then I gave in. I kind of mm. gave in after all of that. And then I, I completely obsessed with it. But anyway, coming back to this specific thing, I had never done what Netflix is kind of wanting to do here. So what I did this weekend is I watched Always Be My Maybe. Mm -hmm. And then I immediately put on the podcast episode. And the first thing that I noticed is I thought, okay, well, maybe I can do both of them. You know, maybe mm -hmm. I can do what they say put the thing on. And then I started to think, where am I going to put Netflix? And where am I going to listen to the show? And that like broke it for me like right away. So I immediately discarded the idea of watching the show and listening to the episode of the podcast. Was it because you didn't want to have earbuds in to listen to the podcast at the same time that your TV was on or? Well, so here's the divergence. I don't watch Netflix on TV. I watch oh, it on my phone. Got it. Got it. You watch it on your computer or on your phone? Yes, exactly. Ah. I'm that person. Mm. You are the future. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. Because most of the things, and I think that maybe maybe that's something with like little kids in the house, like if there's little kids in the house, because I can't put certain things on the TV when my children are around. And if I only did things when my children are not around, I wouldn't really do anything. <laughs> so I just decided to listen to the episode and, uh, and, you know, as I walked around and it was just as fun, though. I didn't mind it. Oh, wow. That's yeah. very surprising to me. I'm very surprised by that. Are you like, what did you think? Did you think that uh, that it's like not as fun or? Cause no, I'm just eh. I, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't listened to the episode yet, but oh, okay. I just thought it was my understanding is it's essentially just like the director's cut of a DVD where it's you're just listening to the director yammer on and on and on. And if you don't have the movie on, you don't know what they're referencing or talking about. But you're saying you can enjoy it even if the movie's not on. Yeah, I totally wow. did. Mind you, I had just watched it. Ah, uh, so it was still fresh. So it was still very fresh. I'm not sure I would have worked out later. But there were a lot of, mind you, that movie does have a lot of incredibly memorable dialogue mm -hmm. as well as scenes and acting and even like one thing that really stood out. I mean, of course, I mean, at least for me, was her outfits. Ah, yes. <laughs> and my God, her glasses. I have another confession here. Okay. I, I did some deep dive research as soon as I watched the movie and I found out the company that makes her glasses and I bought them. Because <laughs> oh you're not God. kidding. The glasses are so freaking cute in that movie. Allie Wong oh looks God. adorable in the whole thing. But yeah, the glasses are really good. The glasses are amazing. And so I know the whole, I mean, all of it. So it was really nice to get a little bit of behind the scenes on that. Mm -hmm. I think that I would have, like, I guess if it was, if I were to say something to them, like if I would have said, you know what would be really great if you guys do this again <laughs> is to sometimes stop and just talk about something longer. Because what I felt is that when you're doing that director's cut, you're commenting on what you're watching. But mm -hmm. I think that there are some times when it, it needs a little bit longer to discuss something slightly more in depth, particularly when I wasn't watching with the movie going on mm -hmm. at the same time. 
Yeah. Because there were some things that I'm like, oh, well, tell me more about that. Like, I just wanted to know a little, like, okay, so the fashion thing was a little more like that, where they mentioned how they were really thoughtful about her character, that she needed to not be too, you know, look like she was too rich and like she wasn't showing things off, but that she was really comfortable in her own skin. And she'd been living in this world for so long. And, and that was really, you know, it just looked, she always looked expensive, but not overly so. And it was just perfectly in alignment. And so I kind of wanted to hear more about that. Like, what does that look like? Like, how, what, what were the brands that were being used? You know, mm-hmm. like, what, why were these choices made? Like, what, you know, all of those different things. So that's what I would have wanted to know. But that said, I'm kind of a fan now of this idea. And I think I'm going to be going back to some of these Netflix shows and kind of diving into some of the things that they're doing. Whoa, they won you over. They totally did. Oh, now you're selling me on it. I I knew about all of this, but I just, I haven't bothered to listen yet. I have to be honest. So, but you're selling me on it. Yeah. So, okay. So here's the other one that I wanted to think about is like the You Can't Make This Up show Mm. where they go behind the scenes of all the true crime stuff that they get and they get commentators that no true crime podcasting to comment on there. So if you are a true crime podcast fan, this is like heaven because it has like all of the people who are like famous for that and that are like well-known podcasters discussing other true crime shows. <laughs> this is so smart. I've, I've, you know what? I've heard of this show and I just think it's very smart because these true crime podcasters already have their own audience. And so well done, Netflix. Very smart casting there. Yes. I know. know. So one of the reasons that I'm bringing this up is because, you know, by the book has a little bit of this mixture of everyday kind of co-hosted podcast show, but it's got this slant where you guys are also doing something that's going to be helping people like reading these self-help books. But it also has this other extra layer, which is the whole reality show thing happening at the same time. And I just thought, oh, gosh, this kind of fits alongside this Netflix thing that I was thinking about, too, where it can kind of fit with something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about mixing up the mediums. And I've been a big believer for a long time that all of us in podcasting should be looking to TV, to video games, to Snapchat, to other things for inspiration. I mean, I think for a long time, the inspiration has been either talk radio or public radio. And you're right, with By the Book, our model was reality TV. How can we take the reality TV model, turn it into an audio show, and then in each episode, Jolenta and I live by a different self-help book, record ourselves along the way. You get to hear how the books enhance and destroy our lives. And then we weigh in on whether or not we would recommend the books. And I think the more different media that are being played with, the more exciting the podcasting space gets. And so, yeah, uh, Netflix, I applaud you. Yeah, way to make TV and audio blend together. I'd love to hear more people do that. Right. I was very impressed with that. Yeah, hats off to them. Oh, and the other thing that I wanted to comment on here before we kind of close off this conversation is that these are the podcast production, because we really like to talk about the behind the scenes of podcasting, not only from the front facing part of it, but also from the back end and the the strategy and things like that, that 
all of these, the production of these podcasts are all handled by the brand and editorial team, mm. which is in the marketing department. Mm. So they I don't are, think that's unusual now. I think yeah. a lot, don't a lot of companies do that now? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And so that they are really just purely branded podcasts. Like that's, that's what they are. And, the, and all of the development comes from essentially the marketing department. And there's, I guess... I don't. I don't know. I think we talked about because you, you and I were uh, you were on my panel last year at Podcast Movement, mm-hmm. and I think you know one of the questions that I asked you prior to even the panel, and even I think during the panel, one of the biggest questions that comes up all the time is how do you market your podcast? Yes, <laughs> you know yes, mean? we talked a lot about that. Yes, right, and it's like this is like essentially in the marketing department. Yes. I'm in favor of it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't have exact stats on this, but a lot of places I've talked with, it's their marketing departments that are helping to make their podcasts as they first branch off into the podcast world or first dip their toes into podcasting. And it makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, if you have the budget to do it and if your long-term goal is just to be one more advertisement for, in this case, Netflix, it makes sense that your marketing department is taking the lead on it. For sure. And they've got some smart people in there because they've got, it seems like they've got some good stuff. And at least from what I read from the, I do believe that they have seven separate podcasts that are live at this moment. They are all very, very, very interesting in terms of ideas. I have I've only listened to really the one that I just told you about the latest episode of that, not just, not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the only podcast that I had heard of prior to that, because of the marketing and push behind it, was Strong Black Leads. Mm. And because that got a lot of coverage. They did a lot of coverage on that. Whereas the entire rest of them, I have missed it. I mean, I I saw that they said Netflix is going to have podcasts kind of thing, or these are Netflix podcasts, but I hadn't seen anything beyond that, except maybe one or two articles here and there. So... Mm. But now it sounds like you're going to be a Netflix podcast listener. Yes, I will. Because, <laughs> because it's going to be my guilty pleasure when I go back and go, okay, well, I want to know a little bit more about how they did that. Especially with Stranger Things 3. They have oh. an episode on that too. Oh. So I'm going to wow. have to listen to that. Mm. And, wow. And <laughs> I, I have been saving Stranger Things for a day when I can just binge all of it. So I've been holding off on it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be out. I usually don't start right away. So we'll see what happens with Stranger Things 3. But alas. <laughs> but alas. Okay. So we have this other article that I brought in here for you, which I think is kind of, as we were talking about, this is a, a sort of a strategy behind a larger brand because obviously Netflix is huge. And that is essentially part of their marketing is really strongly into the editorial space. This was a little article from the CBC, and it's talking about a podcast studio that has popped up at Huron Lodge, which is essentially a place for older adults that are retirees or uh, people who are suffering from Alzheimer's disease. And it's for a Dementia Day program. And they've decided to do a podcasting studio in there. And the sole purpose for the existence of this, this is from the Alzheimer's Society of Windsor in Essex County, is to allow the people who are experiencing this day program to have the opportunity 
to share their stories. I love it so much. I just love it. I've always said this. It is such a gift to have people's stories. It's such a gift to be able to tell your own story. And in the case of a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's, the memories uh, that go back further, you know, to childhood, to their 20s, to their 30s are oftentimes the ones that are most crisp, but that will be eventually lost. And I love that this gives them the opportunity to share those stories. I love it. I really think that their mission for the beginning of this, uh, there's a, the support coordinator mentions in this article, which you guys can find in our show notes for the show, said, how can we further listen to our clients? Mm. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, that's deep, man. <laughs> yes. yes. Right? Um, Beautiful starting place. Yeah, I just thought that it was so incredible for them to do this. And I guess bringing it back to those of you guys who are listening to this show, because you have a podcast, and you may particular maybe you're not starting a show to support your larger brand in your marketing wing. Maybe this is something that you feel that this is for me positioned in this in the in the wing of creating podcasts as a tool for transformation, which is Mm. another reason to podcast. And I do believe that whether or not anyone listens to this audio, which they do say that they're going to be putting it out in some way, that the process of speaking and the process of putting this together is doing a lot for the entire community, whether it is those folks suffering from dementia, or whether it's the clinic, or whether it's the program, or whether it's the people who are involved in it, it's going to reverberate. It's going to have an effect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe the podcast, it's not its own thing. Maybe it doesn't get very many downloads, and it doesn't make any money. But the resonance that it has to develop further connections with our voices and as people has as much power. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if their initial goal for all of this is how can we listen to you better, what a perfect way to do it. It's unbelievable for me to see this kind of stuff. I think one of the key things that I love also about programs like this is that I think all of us can do something like that. We can always help, especially with the, the, the even with the limited education that we as general podcast producers might have when it comes to audio, capturing people's voices in this way and empowering them to continue to tell those stories is just as powerful as anything else, which brings me to your lovely book. Oh, yay. Amazing. <laughs> you you amazing one. So give me a little bit of the story of what brought you to do this. Like, why a podcasting book? Yeah. So my book is called So You Want to Start a Podcast, Finding Your Voice, Telling Your Story, and Building a Community that Will Listen. And I decided to write this book because for years I've been fielding the same questions over and over again about podcasting. And I've been in the podcast industry for over a decade. I've hosted half a dozen shows. I've worked at some of the big players, WNYC, Panoply, Stitcher, CNN, and I've been a director of content even at Panoply. And so as a host, as a producer, and as a program head, People have approached me so many times, as I'm sure they do to you also, Elsie, at parties, on the street, everywhere you go. I'm sure people always say, oh, I have an idea for a podcast. How do I start one? Should I start Mm. one? 
And the same questions kind of came up over and over and over again. Or, I started a podcast, but how do I get listeners? Or, I think I want to start a podcast, but I'm scared of the technology part. And all of these questions came up over and over again. And I thought, you know what? If I'm answering the same questions over and over again, why don't I just answer all the questions all in one place? So the book originally started out as every chapter was a question. And later I tweaked the format ever so slightly, but that was the spirit of the book was, we all have questions. I want to help you answer them. And I really, as I was saying earlier, I really honestly believe that everybody's voice is a gift, that everybody has a story. And it is, for me, a great privilege to try and help other people get their stories out there. I want to hear what people have to say, and everybody's got some magic in them. So I want my book to be um, a book to really demystify a lot of this world. This show that you host, Elsie, really does demystify a lot of things. It really, I think, is a great counter to the whole universe of bros in a basement hosting shows who kind of I don't want to say exclude, but they're not necessarily including women's voices. They are frequently making it sound as though you need to have this kind of technology and this kind of mic and this kind of equipment. And there are lots of voices out there making it sound as if it's much harder than it needs to be. And then I'd rather celebrate the idea that, no, it's accessible. It's possible for anybody who wants to to tell their story, and here's how to do it. So that's why I started writing the book in the first place. And I really honestly just want to make it less scary for people. And I try to very subtly weave in without coming right out and saying it. Well, I do actually come right out and say it. The importance of diverse (laughs) voices. Um, I have a whole chapter on this is why you should consider making sure that you have women and people of color in your show. The fact of the matter is there are a lot of shows hosted by white men The majority of shows that exist have a white male host, and the majority of America is not white and male. So it's important that the rest of us feel empowered to put our stories out there, too, because the story of America, the story of humans, shouldn't just be told through one lens, should it? So that's part of my book, too. Right. To me, it's like I think it's we need to continue to hear that. That said, for in one of the things that I have seen vastly different, and I think that this is going to make it even better, is that right now, I think that there are quite, it has diversified a lot more. But what we don't really have is a strong leadership in the leadership space, meaning like people, women and any diverse voices in places of power, right? Mm -hmm. But also the fact that accessibility of the education and the how to, I feel there's a gap there. It's that thing that where you're talking about, it's like not very many people are going to find you at a party and ask you the question or, you know, it might be not the best thing to just like email you and go like, hey, Kristen, I have a a really, do you know how to start a podcast? Can you help me out? (laughs) I mean, that might not be the best place to start. And so we don't really have right now the ability to amplify where you can go to find this information. And I think a book is really the way to go as of lately, which is bizarro because people are not reading as many books anymore. <laughs> well, it's just, I, j- just to put a word in for this, there's also an audiobook yeah. version that I recorded. Yes, so, I saw. You know, you can also listen to it too. And then you can actually hear huh? me demonstrate what certain things sound like with my own voice. And <laughs> That is awesome. Yes. I yes. love it so much. 
But just having it all distilled in one place, I think, is very, very useful. It's a little handbook almost. So you can look up, oh, gosh, I have this one question. Let me find the answer. And there it is in the book. Hopefully all the questions that you have will be answered in the book. That's what I wanted it to be. It's so crazy. So one of my favorite apps is called Libby. Mm -hmm. And it's the library app. Yes. It's like the, and so I download most of, that's how I do the majority of my reading. And the past, mo- I think a month ago or so, I took screenshots too. They were highlighting books by podcasters. Ooh. And they had a whole section. So I'm telling you now, I don't know how you get featured in that, but that would be really great for you to for have that happen too. Oh, that is a good um, idea. To be added to the mix. Because it was so neat to be able to look and then to also see that now that is a thing. I mean, this is from the library. This isn't like, you know, on Apple Podcasts <laughs> or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I just thought that was like really incredible to be able to now have the ability to read those books through the library in that sense and have the audiobook components right there for your ability to, to read right away. And it's amazing. So you said that you started with questions that Mm -hmm. you you thought like every chapter was going to be answering a question and then you kind of subtly changed it around. So how, how, why, what did you do that was a little different than that? Yeah. um, I just wanted it to be the easiest kind of book to read possible. So uh, one thing that I've learned from hosting by the book with Jolenta for the last many, many seasons. We're wrapping up our fifth season now. One thing I've learned is a lot of books don't have clear organizing principles. And if somebody wants to follow the actual principles of a self-help book and the first 90% is a big thesis and then there's just a few steps at the end, that doesn't work for me. And Mm. if it's all in questions but the questions aren't organized in a way that um, makes it seem uh, directional versus questioning. Does that make sense? Yes. Then that can be a challenge too. So what I decided to do is there's still the questions woven throughout, but I really break it down into seven very clear steps. And under each of those seven steps are sub-steps that some of which explore those questions, some of which just give straight up instruction. So for example, the first section. There's seven sections. The first section is called Dream It. And all of the parts that go into dreaming it, some of it's asking questions and some of it's just instructional. One of the main Mm -hmm. questions I think people forget to ask themselves when they're first dreaming of starting a podcast, the number one question is, why do you want to start a podcast? And this stumps people all the time. And I really want to encourage people to think about that. And the second question I want everyone to always think about is, who is this podcast for? And all of the subsequent steps in the books will be easier if you just take some time to think about those first two questions. Why do you want to start a podcast? Is it because everyone's doing it? Because that's not a good enough answer. You need a better answer than that. You need to know why you're starting it because you're going to want to stick with it. If you don't know why you're starting it, it's very hard to stick with. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, sadly, the vast majority of podcasters give up after nine episodes or less. And so if you want to stick with it, you have to know why you're doing it in the first place. And then knowing why you want to start a podcast also helps you to come up with an idea of what your structure is going to be. It helps you come up with your idea of how your hosting is going to be, how frequently your shows come out and so on. And then the second question of who is it for will help you 
to make the show for the right people, to market it to the right people, to build a community around your show. And a lot of people don't think about those first two questions. They just think, I want to start a podcast because that's what people do now, and people will listen. But that's not how it works. You don't build it and people will automatically come, as you know, Elsie. It's, it, there's yeah. more to it than that. People don't just accidentally discover shows usually. Uh, you have to put the word out there and you have to know who you're putting the word out to. You are preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you already know this very well. I'm like, no, but okay. So here's a question that I, I get asked all the time as well. And I, I mean, I want to know how you deal with this too, because we are in a position where people go like, I want to start a podcast and we can always start with, well, why do you want to start a podcast and who is your audience and all that stuff? But then what's the next question that happens after that, after you give them is how do you monetize it? Oh, yes. People frequently ask me about monetizing a show. And my advice is to initially not worry about monetizing. And part of that is because when you're starting out, the most important thing to most people out there is you have to make a show that's good enough that people will want to listen to it in the first place. If your target audience isn't going to enjoy your show because all you're thinking about is money and you're not thinking about how good your show is, it doesn't matter how you monetize it if no one listens to it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I say initially, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about that. First, worry about making a beautiful show and building a community around your show. And once you do that, monetizing will become much easier once you have enough of an audience that you can go to brands or you can put yourself on a platform that has dynamic ad insertion. You can join a network. There are a lot of things you can do after you first build up that community, including Patreon and other things too. Uh, you don't have to go through a company or a network if you don't want to. But the main thing to do is first build something that is solid, that has a structure that people understand what the show is, what it's about. And if you can't sell it to an audience, you're not going to sell it to an advertiser either. So make sure you have a good show first. Well, yeah. You know, what is really interesting to me is, is that that, you know, creating a show like what you're saying takes time. Yes. It's, you don't have three episodes and all of a sudden you've got it. Correct. And along with that, when you first start out, it's Likely that you may only have one listener or 12 listeners or 35 listeners. So when you're first starting out, it takes a while to make the kind of show that you're proud of. Not for everybody. Some people go out of the gates doing that, but I don't know about that very often. Most of us out there, most of us take a while to get our legs to build the show that we want. And then after we do that, the audience doesn't come immediately. That also takes time to build. Yeah, I was thinking about, uh, we get a lot of resistance sometimes with, I want to make a podcast, but I don't want to spend any money. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's kind of a challenge. I mean, I can advise folks that are working with very, very low budgets for the best options out there. But the bottom line is that if you do want it to be sustainable, there does have to be a bit of investment in it, at least in a reputable podcast host, like at, at minimum, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to make sure that that's okay, because it's going to save you some time later on. That said, though, I was thinking about other things because I started to think like, how come people are so resistant to this? And I started to think about yoga. If you decide that you want to have yoga in your life, 
because it's good for you or you want to go to classes or whatever. And this actually is for almost any classes out there. There is a bit of an investment that you have to make when you do things like that. You might go to, you know, the half price classes on Wednesday afternoons at two or something. But usually yoga classes run you somewhere between 12 and $20 a pop. Mm-hmm. And you can go once a week or three times a week and that starts to add up. And within a month, you can spend anything from $100 to a lot more for something like that especially when it comes to yoga mats or yoga blocks, or what if you want your own towel, you want your own straps, you start to purchase things that are there to keep you practicing and also to be able to allow you the freedom to get better at it and to expand in it so that you no longer have to deal with the things that are so annoying about not having your own mat Mm -hmm. that you do actually go buy yourself one. And you don't ask, you know, how am I going to make money? (laughs) Doing yoga. I mean, people do do that too. <laughs> yes. That's a whole and other story. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I really don't think you go into podcasting to get rich. If money comes later, that's fantastic. But I don't think that that should be the main agenda to make a podcast to get rich, especially for people who aren't with a network or who aren't making sponsored content for Netflix or what have you. But if you're someone who's just starting out, if you've never podcasted before, and if your goal is to get rich, I think that that's going to be a little disappointing at first because it's probably not going to happen off the bat that you'll get rich. And like you said, like yoga, you don't do yoga to get rich either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and every minute that you're spending podcasting is a minute you're not getting paid, too. So not only yeah. may it cost money for you to have a distribution platform like Libsyn, which is not that expensive, but it still costs money to buy a microphone, to get software to do editing. In addition to those costs, there's just the cost of your time because there is time that goes into recording the podcast, editing the podcast, distributing it, and so on. That takes time when you're not getting paid. So be prepared to not get paid in the beginning. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. So if you look at your list of seven key tenants that you want people to take away with them after they're finished with reading your book or following along, which one of those, number one, is the one that you feel is the one that they must spend time on? And number two, which is the one that you love the most? The one that you're like, oh, if I could just stay in this one, I would just do this one the whole time. I could just love to oh, do I it. Oh, I love it all. I love it all. Okay. So just to break down my seven steps here, I have them okay. as dream it, write it, host it, cast it, make it, share it, and grow it. Those are the main seven steps. So dream it is really conceptualizing. Writing it is structuring it, coming up with a format. I think a lot of people don't think about format. They think, oh, I'll just get on a microphone and I'll start talking. They don't think about things like introductions, transitions, bumps, music. They don't think about whether or not the show is a news show or whether or not it's a game show. And during the write it portion, I really want people to think about structure. Oh, please think about structure, people. Do it. The host it part, obviously, it hints about how to be a better host, mistakes that hosts make, how to co-host and so on. And in the cast it section of my book, it's your guests. How do you get guests for your show? How do you become a guest on other shows? How do you decide on a producer? If you get a producer, what does a producer do? And then there's the actual make it section, which is 
including the equipment you'll need, tips on how to be a good editor, how to use movie clips, music clips, what's allowed, what's not allowed, and then share it, which is obviously the distribution of the show, including not just how you get it out there with a platform like Libsyn, but also about the monetization, about making good show art. That's a big mistake some people make is I think they'll fixate so much on trying to get too much information in their show art and not just make it snappy and something that people will immediately see when it's a half inch by a half inch on their screen and then touch it. And then, of course, grow it, which is that step about building your community and getting the word out and embracing your identity as a podcaster. So those are the big seven steps. But the ones that I think people don't spend enough time on are the dream it and write it portions. And those are the ones where it's like, why do you want to start it? Who is your show for? What is the structure? How do I make the first five minutes of my show so delicious that nobody can turn it off after they listen to the first five minutes? Those are things I wish everybody would focus on more and maybe fixate a little bit less on trying to get as much information into their show art as possible. I know that you see this all the time, Elsie. People will, on the She Podcast Facebook community, for example, submit their own ideas for show art. Like, does this have everything I need in it? And it's like 45 different things in a little show tile. (laughs) And it's like, there are way too many words on here. I can't read them all. You're working so hard to get all your information in your show tile. And what you really should be doing is working on getting everything you want into your show. So I think sometimes we get distracted by the wrong things when we're making a show. I, yeah, what I have found, too, is that and I'm sure that you've noticed this, too, with even by the book on season five, right? Because I don't know if you guys do any looking back at the season. What can we do better kind of thing with you and Jolenta, like not online, but mm-hmm. maybe offline or maybe you guys sit down and have these conversations. But, you know, even with Jess and I, we've been at this since 2014. And when we first started, it literally was like, we must start this podcast. And as we did it, we began to have the structure show itself to us because we started with an idea, right? This is going to be this show and this is what we're going to do. But in the doing, we recognized that our show wasn't what we thought it was. It was this other thing. And as we aligned with what that was, we created the format around it that really fit who we were. Yes. It's a little backwards. And I think that's totally normal. I think things have to evolve sometimes. And I think that finding a format that works in the beginning may not work 10 episodes in, and that's fine. We're allowed to rework things. But I just think some of us are afraid of change. Some of us get married to structure that we started with. And so some of us are just afraid of the word structure because we think it sounds boring. Like, oh, I don't need a structure. I'm such a good personality on the microphone. It doesn't matter. I'll just talk. It'll be magic. People will love it. But yeah, that's not true. Yeah, You need some sort of guiding principle and a roadmap for listeners, and that roadmap can change later on, but it's useful. People don't want to walk into – I always use this analogy. A friend of a friend tells me to meet her at her coworker's party. I show up. Nobody I know is there yet. Nobody there is welcoming me. They're just talking, 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 hoping that I will be able to join the conversation or follow along even though I don't know what's happening and no one introduced themselves. And that's what a lot of podcasts feel like if there's not strong mm-hmm. structure, if there's not at the top the introduction of the hosts, if there's not a table of contents telling people 
This is my guest today. These are the things we're going to talk about. A lot of the shows that I listen to that make the biggest mistakes, that's one of the biggest mistakes they make is not making sure that they're treating the guests like they matter. And the way that's shown is no structure at the top. Yeah. You know who our structure maker is? Shout out to John Buchanan, who is our uh, editor. Hi, John. (laughs) He does a great job. I know. Because he has done amazing wonders for us. There's been times when, you know, we get behind the microphone. We're here for like, oh, my God, like 90 minutes. We make so many mistakes. We go off on crazy deep ends. We don't know what's happening. He reins us all back in. I get a 60-minute episode back because I listen to all the stuff after he sends it to me to do the show notes and whatnot. And I'm always like, oh, my God, we kind (laughs) of are smart. (laughs) That wasn't horrible. (laughs) (laughs) A good editor, they are worth their weight in gold. They really are. I mean, Nora, my producer, is in the control room right now, and I'm giving her lovey eyes right now because she is just (laughs) – she does does everything. Producers, editors, they are magic people. They really are. They're unsung heroes. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that there's a subtle misunderstanding what some of these folks do for you, which is maybe they'll cut out a blooper, right? But that's one aspect Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. It's kind of like you have a little Play-Doh that has a little design on it, but then they really shape it so that it's people can actually look at it and go, oh, it's a bunny. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, that's what it is. So yes, that's been something that has been huge for me and how it even affects, I have another show called The Feed and it's the official Lips and Podcast and it's really dense, like really dense, lots of information. It's very information driven. That's literally what it is. It's a, it, And so it, it can be very dry. There's a lot of conversation happening to, in it. And one time I usually edit that myself and just like snip it together and put it out as best as I can. It's hard work. But one day I couldn't do it and I had John edit it for me. And I had him and I and I hired him for that show. I was like, I'm not going to have time to do this. And I put it out there. I kid you not, Kristen, within the first half hour of that show being out, I had an email from a fellow podcast editor who emailed the feed and said, what did you do to the show? Mm. It sounds amazing. I've never heard this. You guys, what have you been doing? I was like, oh, my God, I must suck <laughs> at editing my own show. That so sucks. <laughs> Seriously, producers and editors, oh, they're the best. They are the absolute best. I'm saying this partly to pat myself on the back because I was a producer for a decade. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But also just, I mean, they are magical people who hear things that we don't hear ourselves when we're hosting, when we're doing the other parts. They make us sound so much smarter than we are. I love them. I love producers and editors. Yay! We love you. So good. Shout out to John Buchanan. Yay, our producer. So we're going to move it on uh, to the last little bit of the show here and wrap it up in the next few minutes. But now we're going to be moving into some tool tips. Elsie's tool tips. They're not just my tool tips, but I'm usually (laughs) the one that really is a tool tip person. So. (laughs) So there it is. I don't know if you've heard about this app here, Miss Kristen, but this is like... I started using it just the last two episodes of She Podcasts because I always thought it was like a pain. 
to do any kind of time coding when I'm doing the show notes and whatnot. So forecast, it's called forecast, and you can find it over at overcast.fm slash forecast. And it is an ID3 tag editor and chapter mark adder, like it adds chapter marks to your MP3 file. It is currently in beta. It is a free Mac only app. Sorry, PC people. And it is created by Marco Arment from uh, Overcast fame, who is uh, the creator of Overcast. It's a really light app. You just literally download it. You can edit all of your ID3 tags. So all that metadata, all the artwork, all the summary in it, all the, the title of the show, the episode number, all of that stuff is within it if you want to add it manually to it. But the magic of this is the ease in which you can add chapter marks. And since I do the show notes myself, I kind of started to do uh, time codes for She Podcasts because a lot of people imagine this, Kristen, I'm going to Imagine that some people don't want to hear Jess and I chit chat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe it. I mean, so there's times when we start the show, we lose a little bit of track of time and it's like 10 minutes later and we haven't even tapped into any of the news or anything that we're going on the show. So in order to save people time, I started to tag our segments so that if we do tooltips or we do news stuff or we do weird and wild show of the week, whatever the segment is that we have on that episode, I started to time code it so that people could easily scroll back and forth. And if they wanted to skip what they wanted to skip, they could. And I started to use this and it's so easy. Oh, good. I love it when technology is easy. I know. It's so easy. And you can add a link to the chapter mark if you want. That said, you know, there's not very many podcast apps there that support chapter marks. So there's that. It could only be for a few people that know how to use them and how to move forward with them. But for those that do and really love them, I think that this is a wonderful little app to have in your tool box to be able to put out there. Mm-hmm. And so I what I'm going to do is when we start to talk, like those of you guys who are listening to the show right now, and if you want to go back and listen to when Kristen is breaking down the seven steps or the seven strategies or the seven themes of her book, I'm going to time code that. So you can go back and you can listen and write them all down for yourself, especially if you missed it. And you want to kind of look at this, look at your podcast app, and you can look back and you can go back to when she starts talking about it. And I will title it so that you can easily find it uh, within your podcast app and replay it as many times as you would like. And bonus, I'm going to put a link to the Amazon.com for her book so that you guys can easily click through right there from the chapter mark and send it over. And so that you can totally do it, even though it's still going to be in the show notes, but you can do it via the chapter marks, which is really awesome. Cool. Um, Just to test it out. How about that? Isn't that neato? Yeah. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) So, all right. So, but we're going to end up with our last little bit of the show here, John. I'm just letting you know ahead of time so we don't scare Kristen because we scared ourselves last time. This is our She Podcast Live update that we have going on now. Are you ready? And now, an update on She Podcast Live. So, yeah, the last time we scared ourselves because it was so loud. We all like jumped back and we're like, oh my God, that was too loud. So who's going to be the opening keynote at She Podcast Live? Who do you think's going to do it? It is you, Miss Kristen Meisner. Oh my God. I am so pumped. Thank you to you and Jess for inviting me to be the keynote. I am so excited because you guys are just like my people. 
I mean, women, podcasters, we're going to be in Atlanta. And I just, what I want to do is get out there and just remind everyone their story is a gift, their voice is a gift. And I want to get people really amped up to share their gift with the world. That's all I want to do. I believe in everybody who's out there. I really do. I'm so excited. And I think one last thing that I have to say about you, which is why my heart felt so full, is the way that you live. And it was so funny. It's so weird how I was listening to the last episode of By the Book. And when you guys were talking about the death book, which I'm still resistant to the whole entire thing, honestly. I was like, I don't know if I want to know about this. I don't want to even hear about this conversation. But you know what? Just going to listen because that's what I do. But when you started talking about your legacy and you were talking about your legacy being kindness, and I thought, oh, yeah, that totally fills you up. That's just something that I immediately can sense about you, that every interaction that I've had with you has been, it's like a walking smile of kindness, of respect, of inclusivity, of being able to open and soft in a really strong, grounded way, where it feels like you're just so just sweet as a button, but then at the same time, you've got this really strong core. <laughs> That makes me so happy. This is the sweetest description I've ever heard of myself from anyone. Please just, yeah, when this episode is done, I'm going to just play back with that timestamp, just that one section over and over again where you describe me. Because it's just such an honor to have you do this because I know that's where you come from and you represent so much in the, especially with women's voices in the podcasting space. But taking that out of the spectrum and just you as a strong leader with within voice and within somebody who's in this industry as it begins in audio production and telling stories in this way. We're just so thankful to have you. Ugh. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yes. I am so excited for yes. this. I really, really am. I know. Yay. <laughs> so um, we are going to be wrapping up the show. Is there anything else, Miss Kristen, to, to wrap up um, that you want us to know about the book? Yeah, if I could just mention one other thing. Yes. The same time, early August, that my book comes out, so you want to start a podcast, another show that I'm hosting with Jolenta also launches called We Love You and So Can You. And it's kind of a makeover show for your heart. And oh my God, we don't make over your hair, your makeup, or your wardrobe, but people who have little predicaments in their lives have asked us many times over the years, Jolenta and Kristen, can you help us? Can we live by a self-help book with you to help us through this little predicament? And we said eventually we're going to do something where we'll have other people along for the ride. And that's what We Love You and So Can You is. So people with predicaments come to us. We give them a two-week prescription. And hopefully by the end of the two weeks, they feel a little bit better about themselves. Hopefully they love themselves a little bit more and they're reminded that we love them too. Oh. That's awesome. <laughs> We're so That's excited gonna be for great. it. Yes. <laughs> Yay. So I hope that we can have something in the show notes. If not, just I will update them and post, meaning like even after the show is out or whenever that is. And that's going to be so fantastic. So you guys get the book. There's lots of links to pre-order or post order, <laughs> depending upon when you hear this episode. And um, you can connect with Kristen over at on Twitter, Kristen Meinzer on Twitter so that you can see all links. We're going to be there and K10 Meinzer on Instagram. Also, KristenMeinzner.com. 
And of course, you can follow us along with She Podcast and all things She Podcast and also kind of work with us every week over at She Podcast Super Squad for just $5 a month for our patrons. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with oh, me today. It's been such I a so blast. Thank it. you so much, Elsie. I really appreciate it. Yay. And uh, we will talk with you guys uh, next week. Yay. Okay. Yay. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>